Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. This morning I, I want to read from Acts chapter 2. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. Before I share the word, I just want to share that we had a, a blind guy preaching in our church the other day, two weeks ago. A blind guy. He's only been blind for the last five years, I think, so he didn't grow up blind. But, but it, it was so inspiring and challenging to see how this guy just ministers. And, and I, I, I had the question to myself is, after seeing this guy minister and just his wife supporting him and like showing him where the podium is and where the, you know, where the people are, like he lays hands on people, but she has to sort of put his hand on their heads because he can't see anything. But, but he ministers out of this place of, of, a, of an absolute dependence upon the Lord. And the question God asked me is, what is your excuse? If a guy like that can be used by God, you know, what is, and it's not only to, I'm not talking about everyone must preach now, but, but what is your excuse for doing what God has called you to do? So I just want to start off with that this morning is, is I was just reminded and challenged by, by this guy because sometimes we limit ourselves and we limit God in the process. And God is saying, what is your excuse? But that's got nothing to do with my sermon this morning, or maybe it has. But I just thought I'd share that. But let's turn to Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This morning, the title of my message is called Tongues of Fire. Tongues of of fire. And a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me this word, and He said to me, Alistair, I want you to light fires wherever you go. I want you to light a fire wherever you go. And I was like, okay, Lord, what, what, what is this? Because the Lord said to me, He wants to light a fire in my heart, and then He wants to, to light fires through my life and through our lives as believers. And I believe this morning God wants to, to maybe relight a fire in your heart or relight a fire in your mouth. And take it to the ends of this earth. Amen. And I believe it starts right here in our mouths. It starts like it did 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts when, when a fire was lit in the disciples' lives 2,000 years ago. It says here that there appeared to them tongues as of fire. Turn to someone next to you and say, tongues as of fire. And one sat upon some of them, half of them, two of them, one of them. It said, one sat upon each of them. Turn to someone next to you and say, that includes you. One sat upon each one of the disciples in the upper room. All 120 of them received the fullness of the tongue of fire. And what did it say after that? It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why specifically tongues? This verse just caught, and there's so many things you can preach in these four verses, but the one thing that caught my eye looking through this is, is why tongues specifically? Why wasn't it a nose of fire or an ear on fire or a foot on fire? Well, why specifically a tongue? Have you ever thought about that before? So I want to look at that this morning. I'm going to look at that 
as, as part of my message. But just before I go into that, I want to show you a picture of, I went to London two years ago. There's a picture of me standing there next to, I don't know, what, what do you guys think that is? <laughs> that like statue there. Maybe some of you have seen it, have been there. But I, I went to this place, um, we were on a mission to London and I experienced just a fresh anointing again of the Holy Spirit, I believe, in that whole mission because we went to the Empower 21 conference. It was actually, yeah, this year, the Empower 21 conference was held yeah, in Johannesburg this year. But two years ago, it was in London, the, the European conference. And, and I was so touched by the Holy Spirit again and, and just anointed afresh again with the Spirit. But, but before the conference, I had this encounter, yeah, at, at this statue, this, this, and it's supposed to be a flame, by the way. It, it's it's in, in the picture of a flame, or a, I guess that's what the tongues of fire looked like back in the day. But this is a testimony of a guy called John Wesley. Anyone heard about John Wesley? So, so this is at Aldersgate Street, very close to, to, this place is very close to where John Wesley had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, an encounter with God. And, and John Wesley grew up an Anglican, very traditional church-going boy, and he wanted to serve the Lord, and he was serving the Lord, and he went to America to preach and didn't have a very successful mission there, and then came back and started to question his own salvation, started to question whether he was really saved. And, and wrestling with God and, and, and going through what, what many of us or maybe even going through or have been through in our lives. And, and, he, and he encountered the Lord, yeah, at this one evening service. Because a friend of his said, you've got to come to this guy. This guy was ministering the word of God. And so he went to this evening service, yeah, in London, very close to where this, this place is. And, and he shares this following story on this, on this plaque there. It's the story of his testimony when he got Basically, you can say born again. I don't know if it was the first time, but, but I guess he was born again. But he, he writes the following. He says, in the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, which is where this, this statue is, where one was reading Luther's preface to the, ep the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. He writes, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had walked, that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. John Wesley got saved that night, got born again, felt his heart being warmed, and the rest is history, as they say. John Wesley became the, the father of the, the Methodist church, a movement which changed thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives. And he, and he had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and, he, and, his, and it reflected in his preaching. It reflected what happened in his heart, reflected in his preaching, and he touched so many lives. You can go and read the rest of the story of, of his life. But it says yeah, that his heart was warmed, and and the Bible says that what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. Amen. And so, so I, had, I, I just experienced when I was here in London, I experienced again just this, this passion that, that God wants to deposit into our lives. He wants to warm our hearts, but He doesn't want it to stay in our hearts. He wants us to, 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 to speak that which is in, in our hearts. Amen. And the Holy Spirit did that to the apostles and the disciples back in the day. He warmed their hearts. He, he, they encountered Him. They encountered this tongue of fire in order to minister the things of God. Amen. So this morning, I just want to quickly look. I want to speak this morning about this, the power of the spoken word. And I believe sometimes when we see this, this message, tongues of fire, all we think is evangelists. You know, the evangelists are the ones with the tongues of fire. 
And I want to say this morning, that is such a lie because the apostolic anointing needs a tongue of fire. The prophetic anointing needs a tongue of fire. The evangelistic anointing needs a tongue of fire. The pastoral anointing needs a tongue of fire. And the teaching anointing needs a tongue of fire. In fact, every gift in the body of Christ needs a tongue of fire. Amen. I really believe sometimes we so limit our own mouths and, and God wants to release a boldness again in us this morning. I really believe he wants to anoint each one of us with the ability to speak boldly the things of God. And if you want it this morning, I believe God can anoint you afresh this morning again. Because sometimes the world keeps us silent. Sometimes the world keeps us exactly what, the, what God does not want us to be, and that is to be silent. And there is a time for silence, but, but sometimes we miss that. There's a time to be bold and a time to have our tongues reignited with the fire of God again. Amen. And so let's look at the history of the spoken word. Genesis 1 verse 3 said, God said at the beginning, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. The spoken word is so powerful. It started right at the beginning when God spoke. And guess what? There was creation. We are here today because God spoke. Amen. There is creative power in words. And I believe some people this morning, you're going to be ignited again just to speak creative words into being, to speak over your life. But there's, there's a creative power in the spoken word. But then the second thing that happened in the history of the spoken word, just in general now, I'm just summarizing a lot of stuff here. I'm going through the Bible from the beginning to the end, but it'll be a few minutes. Don't worry, that's not the focus of my word this morning. The second thing that happened when the spoken word was spoken was that evil came in through the spoken word. Because guess what happened in Genesis 3 verse 1? So Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was massive power and there was amazing stuff happening. But then in Genesis 3 verse 1, something else happened. The devil asks, asks Eve, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of the tree of, of all the trees of the garden? Has God indeed said? And so a seed of doubt was sown into people's lives or into Adam and Eve's life at the time. And, and evil came through the spoken word as well. Quite interesting. Then we go on into history the Old Testament prophets spoke the word of God. Isaiah chapter 6. Anyone know the story of Isaiah? What, what was he anointed with? The coal of fire. Where? On his tongue. In order to speak the, 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 the words of God. And in Jeremiah, I love the scripture in Jeremiah verse 1 verse 9. It says, Then God put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words into your mouth. God touched the Old Testament prophets and he says, I'm putting my words into your mouth. Tell someone next to you, my words into your mouth. And God wants to put his words into your mouth this morning. Amen. Maybe afresh again, maybe there's a prophecy that God wants to release over you and through you. But God wants to afresh again put, your, put his words into your mouth. Isn't that amazing? It's not your words. And we don't have to try to think up words when God puts words into our mouths. He puts them in because it's his words into your mouth. And then history carries on. And then for, after the prophets, 400 years, there was silence. No spoken word. How sad was that? I think they must have been dying spiritually. In fact, they were when there's no spoken word. Just go and look at a bit of history and see. For 400 years, there was nothing. God did not speak. There were no prophets. There were no written word. There was no spoken word. Nothing. And it must have been the worst time in the history of the world, apart from when Adam and Eve sinned. But there was a build-up. There was a build-up to the birth 
of the final spoken word. Hebrews 1 verse 2, 1 and 2 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past. Hebrews chapter 1, underline the word spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by his son Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? God has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the world. So Jesus Christ is born and the Bible says it's the final word. God has spoken his final word through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what happens in the life of Jesus? Jesus comes and he gets baptized and he grows up and he, and he gets baptized in water and with the Holy Spirit. And then what, what did God say? You're going to now get tested on, on the, the power of the spoken word in your life. And so where does God send him? The Holy Spirit sends him into the desert, and guess what? The devil tests him and tempts him, and for 40 days he's challenged and he's so hungry. But guess what? He overcomes Satan how? Three times he says to the devil, it is written, and he speaks the word of God over the situation. Three times he says, it is written. And the devil tries his best and he just realizes, I'm going to have to give up here. The spoken word, once again, is too powerful. History carries on, and then Jesus gives his followers the privilege of being his voice to the nations. Acts chapter 2, exactly what we've read. Jesus imparts that same voice, that same spoken word into us and into his followers, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, speaking, and we'll look at that scripture at the end in Mark chapter 16. But Jesus gives the authority and he gives all of us as his followers the privilege of being his voice to the nations. And then lastly, the Bible ends by saying, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb in Revelations 12 verse 11 and the word of our testimony. And we have been given the, the privilege and the responsibility of speaking the word of God. Even when life is tough, like Izan said earlier, even when the situation looks terrible in your life, even when you're struggling, are we going to speak the word of God? Not only to other people, but sometimes it starts with speaking the word of God to yourself. David said it in his life. He said, soul be still now I'm going to speak the word of God and I remember when, when I got saved just to share a little bit of my story that I, I, I went to a school in Port Elizabeth and, and I got saved there in, in, in standard 7 grade um, 9 these days I was 15 years old and, and it's a time when in a young boy's life when you know everyone around you is swearing like you hear the F word and the SH word and, and all sorts of other words which I definitely won't mention here this morning but you hear a lot of words coming out of young boys' lives because they discover they've got a voice and, and some words sound cool, you know. But I remember when, when I gave my life to Jesus as a young boy, not knowing much, but I remember one thing is that I could not conform to this way of speaking, even if I tried. God, God cleansed my mouth and, and I used to say, that, you know, I used to say flip instead of the other F word. So I used to say flip when I got a bit cross, you know. Flip can be a name of a person as well, you know. So. 
But, I, but, but other guys were using the other F word, and I was using the flip word. Although, and I used to get teased for not using the, the proper F word. You know, I used this other weird F word. But I couldn't, I couldn't swear. I, I couldn't curse like in, in the way that other people around me were doing. And I'm not saying I'm great. I just look, looking back, I just realized it was just God because God saved me and He cleansed me because He wanted to use my mouth. And here I am, not knowing back then that I'm going to be called to be a preacher. I mean, that's the last thing I wanted to or I thought I was going to be, believe me. But, but God can do anything, you know. God can let a blind man speak and, 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 and preach. God, God can let a guy like me, shy, I used to hide away from people when I was small. I used to hide away when the people came to visit us on the farm. I was like so shy, I was so afraid of people. But the Lord wants to clean our mouths, amen. The Lord wants to, to use us to be His voice and to overcome by His blood primarily, but also the word of our testimony. Because each one of us is a living testament. Each one of us is a living sacrifice. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, words have power to create, as I said earlier, to bless, but words also have the power to break down, to curse. So watch your words. Watch what you're speaking. Watch what you're confessing every day. James 3 verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So not only is there, is there creative power and life in the tongue, there's, hell is in the tongue. This is what he says. He says we need to watch what we speak because just as positive as words can be, so, uh, so terribly negative can words also be. They can be destructive, the Bible says. So not only is death in the tongue, hell itself is in the tongue. But there's good news this morning. The gospel is also in the tongue. How then, in Romans 10 verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. See, the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. Amen. The gospel is only good news if it gets to someone on time. And I want you to think about this this morning. I want you to think about how did you hear the gospel for the very first time? Just think about it. I don't think there's anyone sitting here that, that, that did not hear the gospel without someone telling them. And maybe you're like the Apostle Paul where you were visited personally by Jesus, then, then, then that's amazing. But I think in most cases, maybe one out of this group of people had a visitation by Jesus himself, or maybe two. But in most cases, I'm sure sitting around this room, all of us heard the gospel through someone else. Someone told you. 
I'm so thankful that, that, that Peter Pollock and Trevor Goddard, former cricket players that played for South Africa, came to my school in 1991. I think that, or 1992 they did come that year. I didn't respond to an altar call, but I responded a couple of months later. But I'm so glad that someone told me that if there's no change in your life, there's no Jesus. Someone told me the gospel. You need to repent. You're not born again unless there's a change. You need to repent. Someone told me the good news of Jesus. But I'm sure for each one of you, someone told you. And God is calling you to share the gospel. Why? Because it's, it's in the power of speaking the word. In his book, The Deliberate Church, by a guy called Mark Deva and, and his colleague Paul Alexander, they, they write the following about the gospel. There's four aspects to the gospel. So I've called it the fire of the gospel. There's four aspects. It's, it's, it's God, man, Christ, and response. So when you want to tell the gospel to someone, and God's been challenging us as a church and, and me as a pastor to really equip people again to just share the basics of the gospel. What is the gospel? Sometimes we forget about the basics of the gospel. Last Sunday, we, we just had a, had a chance in church of sharing our testimonies. We, we, we broke up into groups of two, and we shared testimonies. I, I get, got everyone to share their story again with hopefully someone they didn't know. Just to encourage one another that, that, that the gospel is indeed, and the word of your testimony is powerful. And so what we also did is we just equipped people again in, in just the basics of the gospel. And so there's four aspects of, of, of the gospel for you to remember. It starts with God. And so I call it the fire of God's holiness. The fire of the gospel starts with God's fiery holiness. God is a holy God. He's a creative God. He's an awesome God. He's a wonderful God. And, and we need to tell people that God is God and we are not God. So the gospel starts with God and ultimately it's going to end with God. But, but we need to tell people who God is. He's the righteous judge. And, 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 and there's, there's a holiness in him. There's a fiery holiness. It's like a candle that, that you don't want to get too close if you're a little mosquito because you're going to get zapped by, by the candle. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's not a consuming fire that wants to destroy. It's, it's a loving fire. It's beautiful, but, but it's holy. And then, then the second part of the gospel is man, and I call that the fire of God's judgment because mankind has sinned. And so every one of us have fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us are not holy, and we need God. And so there's this massive gap between God and man, and, and that's the fire of the judgment of the gospel. The gospel is, 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 is the, has a fiery judgment because of man's sin. But, but it's a loving God that is drawn to this, to this sinful state of man. Would you, wouldn't you agree? And so that brings me to the third thing. The third thing is, is Christ. Christ is the third aspect of the gospel. He's the center of the gospel because he came to redeem mankind and God. There's a holy God. There's a sinful man. This is not going to work unless there's intervention. And I call that the fire of his redemption. The fiery passion of Christ to come and die a terrible death for all of us. And then lastly, the gospel demands a response. It's called the, I call that the fire of, of empowerment. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit to empower us to respond to the gospel. Without the Holy Spirit, people cannot respond to the gospel. And I believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work so well together in, in, in getting people to respond. And, and they're doing everything in their power, and, and people can still choose to go against it, and that's fine. God is not shaken by that. But the gospel does demand a response, and, and that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
to help us to respond to the fullness of the gospel. But you see, God wants to to anoint us with a tongue of fire in order to preach this gospel. And so, so I've 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 written three things here which a tongue on fire affect. And I believe some of you this morning you need to you need to speak to 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 stuff in your lives and you need to speak to stuff and 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 speak the gospel again and then start to speak the gospel outside, amen. So I'm excited about this next season of, of, of church life because I believe God, and God's confirmed it through many prophetic words, church is going to have to be taken out of church. If we think revival is going to happen when, with this just this hall full or even a whole stadium full, it, it's just not going to cut it. There's millions of people. Stadiums cannot take millions of people. We're going to have to take church out of church, and, and it's exciting because we don't need to worry about how many people come here. It's about how many people's lives are being impacted out there. And, and just this group of us in here can, can really make an impact. But a tongue on fire affects your personal life. It starts with your well-being. Three W's, your well-being, your worship, and your witness. So listen to this. It starts with your well-being. A tongue on fire affects your own well-being. Jesus has given you and me the ability to speak a life over everything that is dead in your life. Amen. So I'm, I believe some of you are going to get excited about But tongue of fire is not just about evangelizing, evangelizing out there. Tongue of fire is going to affect your own life. And you know, so many believers are stuck because their tongues aren't on fire. They've lost their boldness to, first of all, speak to sicknesses and to diseases. So I don't know if there's sick people in the place this morning, but we're going to pray for sick people. And if you haven't got the faith to pray for sickness, then we'll help you. Then, then I will trust that Jesus comes to speak a word of life over you. But he gives you authority to speak over sicknesses, over diseases, over depression, and over heaviness in your life. Isn't that amazing? You don't need someone else. to. It would help if someone also does pray with you and agrees with you because there's power in agreement where two or three or more are gathered in Jesus' name. He's there and he's going to do mighty things. Amen. But, but he's not limited to two or three or five or 10,000 people. He, he wants you to start to speak to your own life. So it affects your well-being. It affects your spiritual condition, your physical condition, your emotional condition. The tongue on fire can, can really set your life on fire. Isn't that so? So I don't know where you are in terms of your well-being this morning and how you're feeling physically, emotionally. If you're stressed here this morning, but the Lord has given me a few words for people here this morning. We're going to trust him to come and minister to you this morning. But it affects your well-being. A tongue on fire, secondly, affects your worship. And this morning was so powerful. When we can just worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. Jesus has given you and me the ability to worship him in spirit and in truth. But guess what? It requires a tongue on fire. Especially like his aunt said this morning, when circumstances aren't great, that's going to test whether your, whether your tongue is on fire or not. Because are you going to be silent? Are you going to get into depression? Are you going to focus on the circumstances? Are you going to focus on how awesome God is? It's going to affect your worship. And, and I believe your worship affects the last one, your witness. Your well-being actually often affects your worship and it often affects your witness. So, so it starts by still speaking the word of God. It starts by having a tongue on fire. Your witness requires a tongue on fire to tell the world about Jesus. 
I believe here this morning there's some people you're weighed down by fear and anxiety, specifically about the future. There's some people here and you've been called to be a worshiper. You've really been called to be a worshiper, but you, and you're not, I'm not talking about a musician, a singer. You, you all, we're all called to be worshipers. Amen. Can anyone agree with that? We're all called to be worshipers. But we look to, to Andrew and the guys to, 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 to be the worshipers, and we'll just follow them. And yes, it's, it's right for a Sunday, but, but out there, you're not going to call on some music to, you know, to help you to worship. You're going to be worshiping from your spirit, from what's inside of you. But some people here are weighed down by fear and anxiety, and you, God wants to set you free. He wants to set your tongue on fire, to start to worship, and to start to speak to your, your own circumstances, start to speak to mountains in your life. But then he also is calling you to, to be a witness out there and to speak the gospel to whoever wants to listen. My last scripture this morning, Mark chapter 16. One of my favorite scriptures. It, it, it's just amazing how, how the Lord shows us these things. But he, look, look at this. And he said to them, go into all the world and... Okay, we're going to say this together. Go into all the world and... Okay, we're going to say it louder. Go into all the world and? One more time. Go into all the world and? That takes a tongue on fire. It takes, it takes a mouth to speak. Amen. Go into all of Johannesburg. Go into all of Gauteng. Go into all of this nation of, of South Africa and proclaim the gospel to everyone. If people don't want to listen, then speak to the rocks. <laughs> speak to the animals. You know, Angus Buchan started his ministries. He just preached to the wheat. <laughs> He imagined it to be people, but he stood up on his bucky and he preached to those wheat fields like that. It must have been so weird. But how can God entrust? I mean, how can God entrust him with so many people? Why? Because he started just by practicing. But he, but he has said, God, I want my tongue to be on fire. I want, I want to speak the gospel, proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Sometimes we have to shout to to the mountains. I remember in Stellenbosch once, I, I climbed up there to the, some of you come of know Stellenbosch, the Tuerpika mountains there, or up into Yonkersuk Valley, and I climbed up right at the top, and I just felt the Lord saying to me, I'm going to shout the name of Jesus into this valley, and it was so weird. I thought, I don't know who's listening here, but I shouted the name of Jesus, and it came back three or four times. And it was awesome. But it set something in me free. It, it gave me a boldness again to realize, yo, there's power in the name of Jesus. We sing it here, and it's nice to sing it in church because it's comfortable. But what about shouting the name of Jesus out there? Sometimes we might have to do it. But proclaim the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Listen to this. This is a tongue on fire. Whoever, whoever believes and has his tongue set on fire will do the following. In, the na- in my name they will cast out demons. How do you cast out demons? Definitely not silently or by meditating or by thinking. Demons do not respond to our, to our wishes and our hopes. They respond to the word of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. But why don't we see demons flee often because we are silent (laughs) and we hope that they would go out by some other way. But they go out in the name of Jesus. You need to speak to these things and they will get out. And then it says they will speak with new tongues. Let's say that all together. They will speak with new tongues. Amazing. 
When you believe, you will cast out demons in my name. You will speak with new tongues, the Bible says, and you will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink anything deadly, it will no, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When you pray for the sick people, you can't just lay hands. You've got to once again say, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I say to you, sickness, get out in the name of Jesus. And Jesus actually says to us, you tell that sickness to leave. I've given you all authority. But where's your authority? comes from Acts chapter 2. How did the disciples get the authority? Spending time in the presence of God, receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, receiving the tongue of fire, receiving a voice to speak. And it's not talking about shouting. Sometimes you'll need to shout, but demons don't respond to the loudness of the voice. Demons respond to authority. But the authority is, is tested in the spoken word. You see, I believe it's when we speak and proclaim the gospel, it's a cycle of fire that increases or decreases. And I've experienced it in my ministry life. That, that the less you talk about the gospel, the less you preach the gospel, and I'm talking not only about preaching in church, but just telling people the good news. It, it, it's a fire that either decreases or increases. And the more we speak it, and the more we see God's kingdom come through, Laying hands on the sick through casting out demons, through teaching, through preaching, through however God is calling you to minister. But the less you do it, that fire dies. Sorry, but that's how it is. Especially when we've been given it. And why do unbelievers, why do, why do people who get saved for the first time, young believers or new converts are so fiery? Because it's a fresh, it's, it's a fresh fire. And each one of us have to rekindle that fire at a time in our lives. It, it doesn't just stay by default. We need to follow Jesus. We need to, we need to start to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But it's a cycle of fire that either increases or decreases, and Jesus ignites this fire in us by His Holy Spirit. And from then on, it grows the more we proclaim the gospel, the more we are obedient. But it decreases the less we proclaim the gospel. And if the gospel doesn't become real in our lives and we're not living it, then, then it, the fire goes out. In fact, I believe if you're saved, the fire will never go out. It'll just be very small. It'll just be enough to get you to heaven because if you confess Jesus and believe the Bible says you'll be saved. And you're following you, you'll be saved. And you know, for, for my testimony is that I walked for nine years without the Holy Spirit. And I knew I was going to heaven. I had no doubt I was going to heaven. But it was all about me and Jesus. So I'm thankful that that, that word I confessed, because I confessed and I wrote my name in the back of a little Gideon's Bible and I knew from the 19th of March, 1992, I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to heaven. I was so excited about that. But do you think I could tell anyone about it? I didn't tell one person. Didn't even tell my parents. But nine years later, 2001, I got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, then my family knew about Jesus, believe me. (laughs) They thought I was weird. The shy little boy that didn't speak much, and now he's just telling them, and I'm like trying to save my parents so much so that the Lord had to tell me, look, I'll save them, okay? You don't have to save them. But I'm like telling them, like, are you born again? I'm like, you have to be born again. I'm like, and the Lord's like, they're like, oh, we're happy for you, you know? Like, my parents love me so much. They're not going to, like, resist me and, like, think I'm, but, but they were like, no, we're happy it works for you, you know? But it was so funny. The Lord just told me, I'll save them. You don't worry. You just keep praying for them. And I can see the change in their lives. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I would go running there in Stellenbosch, and I would, just, I would be telling anyone. I, I ran once with this friend of mine, and I knew he needed Jesus. So we're running, and I said, 
Have you heard about the greatest man that's ever walked this earth? You know, I, I would ask the Lord to give me ways to not just do the religious thing and because everyone kind of has heard the name of Jesus. I just said, no, have you heard the, the greatest man who's ever walked this earth? And the guy says, you're probably talking about Jesus. I said, yes. He says, you know what? Someone else asked me that as well. I know I, know I need to get my situation right with the Lord. And he got saved. He came to our small group. He got saved, got born again. But it was amazing, just that fire of the Holy Spirit, that fire of, of the passion to just preach Jesus to people. But the more we proclaim it, the more we... The more we grow and the more we have the fire kindled, the less we proclaim, the less the fire is kindled. This morning, I believe the Lord wants to just reignite that fire again by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. Just the last story, and then then we're going to pray. The band can come up this morning so long. So on Friday, I was... um, just to encourage you guys that each one of you, God can use you if you're just willing. If you just say, Lord, today I want to be used by you. And so I was, I was driving to, I had an appointment with a biokineticist and him and his, his colleague worked there. And so I knew, well, I just felt the Lord saying, just, just bless, bless them with words. Trust me now for words of knowledge for them. And so I, I'm driving there and I'm just starting to pray and the Lord the Lord shows me for the, the guy whose business it is that um he's he needs to make a financial decision like soon and the Lord just saying go ahead with it. So I'm 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 hearing this sort of from the Lord and I'm thinking, Lord, am I making this up or is is this really you speaking to him? So I think, okay, cool, I'll keep it in the back of my mind. And then I start to pray again. I just uh, I think Lord wants to give me a word for for his colleague as well. So I'm praying, and then I'm thinking. Then the Lord shows me that they may be having a few marital challenges. They've just been married, young married. They're having a few challenges. It's a lady now that works there, and that she must just take it to the Lord. I know there's disunity. The Lord knows there's a bit of disunity, but but he'll sort it out. Just keep trusting him and praying. So I'm like, okay, I go to the the you know I, I get there. And then there's other people there, and so I'm thinking, I'm not going to share this like out loud because this is a bit personal. So, so I'm exercising and I'm thinking, now when's the right time? You know, like how am I going to share? This? Is this right? Then, then you have you have that sort of slight doubt in yourself, maybe like, it, have you just made this up out of your own passion and your own like, you know, your zeal just to bless people, or is this really from the Lord? Because I'm like, Lord, I, if I make a fool of myself, I don't care, but I'm not, I'm not going to not speak to them. I really want you to speak to them, Lord. And so I wait till the end, and then I, I go to, to Gert, and I just say to him, yeah, I just, I've got a word for you. And he knows the Lord. And like, he's, yeah. So I said, no, I, I feel the Lord saying, and I, I believe you've, you have to make a tough financial decision, and I don't know if you're going to need to buy more apparatus or something, but, but the Lord just says, you know, go for it. You, he's, he's, he's with you, and you know, go for it. And he's like, his eyes are like, yes, this is amazing. He's like, Right now, I have to decide by Monday. This is now on Friday. I have to decide by Monday. I'm, 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 yes or no. I have to decide now, and and it's like such confirmation. He's like spot on. I'm like, okay, cool. Praise the Lord. So now, no, the other, the lady. I'm like confident now. So I say to her, I've got a word for you as well. And she's like, oh, okay. You know, she's she's excited. I said, no, the Lord's, the Lord knows you got. You guys are having a few few challenges at the moment in your marriage, and she's like, 
Yeah, how did you know? But he says, just he's, he's got it covered. Just take it to him, and the Lord will, will sort it out. And she's like, yes, thanks so much. So spot on. And I was just, you know, I was just like, Lord, I'm just an instrument. It's not about me. But it, it, it's really excited me that God wants to use us to speak to people. Amen. And, and God just wants us to relax and say, you know what? It's not me. I'm not the message. I'm also like someone's, I think it's Angus Buchan's definition of evangelism is one hungry beggar telling another hungry beggar where to get food. We, we're, not, we're not arrived. We haven't arrived. We're not all sorted. But, but the lesson I learned from Friday morning is that, is that we've got to be bold to speak. And everything in the evil realm is telling you, you know what, just shut up now. It's you, you're making it up. It's not the truth. But if we start getting boldness in the truth of the gospel and, and in God's relationship with us and our relationship with Him, we start to grow closer, grow connected with Him, and speak what He says. And you know, we'll never go wrong with the Word of God. When it comes to a rhema word, a prophetic word like that, then we have to be open. It's not, it's not written in, 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 in the Bible, so you know, it's, it's, it's very specific. It's for individuals, and it can be right or wrong. We must be open to that. But as we do it, we'll grow and we'll become more accurate. Amen. But we can never go wrong with the Word of God. If the Word of God says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, then guess what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. But you have to believe it. You, you cannot believe it, and then the joy of the Lord won't be your strength. But you need to believe it, then you need to speak it and tell someone else. Do you know the Lord? Because if you really want joy, and if you really want strength, then know Jesus. Because the joy of Jesus will be your strength. Amen. And you guys have got an amazing teacher. I mean, Henny is just incredible. To teach the Word of God. But, but it, it's, it doesn't help to have a great teacher as a pastor. I mean, we need to be a student of the Word and memorize Scripture to start to tell other people. But I believe Henny and many other teachers, Izan, all the ministers that you guys have got you, and people previously in your life that have spoken the Word into your life, they have imparted something, and it's somewhere. It's there somewhere. But if the Holy Spirit can set your tongue on fire, you know what? Those words will start to come out. You'll be reminded of what the Lord said to you when you got born again, when you got saved, when you got spiritual, when you got baptized in water. God spoke some stuff to you, and you know what? That testimony can go out. Each one of you have got a testimony of your own salvation, of when you got filled with the Spirit, when you got baptized. I mean, I'm just loving it. Sunday we baptized three people again. The Lord said to me, I must make a slogan for our church. Every Sunday is Baptism Sunday. I just stepped out in faith because I was like, God, we, that's what the Bible says. We must baptize people in water, in the Spirit, in fire, in everything. But there must be baptism. And water baptism is good as a testimony of Jesus Christ. Because you can come forward and get saved. But if you baptize, that is a confirmation of how serious you are about following Jesus. So the Lord said to me, we must say every Sunday is baptism Sunday. If no one comes, it's fine. But every Sunday we're going to start to trust God to baptize people. And eventually it will be every day is baptism day. And three people got baptized on Sunday. It was so amazing. So I, I just said, whoever wants to be baptized, my house is right here near the church. Let's do it. And three people came. But God wants us to have fire for him. Amen. Wants us to have tongues on fire again and to speak boldly the goodness of God. But start with yourself this morning. 
So let's pray. Father, I just I just thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word in our lives, Lord. We, we repent this morning of forgetting how powerful your word is, Lord. It is so powerful, God. It is so enough, Lord. There's nothing more needed. You've died on the cross. You've raised from the dead, Lord, and you're seated at the right hand. You're sitting on the, at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for all of us here. And, and Lord, you're excited about us. But this morning, you want to remind us about the power of your word in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would afresh this morning, even baptize people with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And Lord, people that are down and maybe just have lost hope in just the power of your word, people that have, I sense, Lord, there's been people speaking your word faithfully and and just the last while, it's just it, it's just a, a bit of a, a deadness, Lord, that, that a bit of a hopelessness of, oh, is it really worth it? Is it really powerful? But Lord, today you remind us again of the history from the beginning of how your word endured ups and downs, Lord, but ultimately how your word is, is prevailing in these last days, Lord, that you say we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And ultimately it's your gospel, God. Our testimonies are just are just living examples of how your gospel is real, Lord. It's real for us and it can be real for each person out there. It's not a dead gospel. It's not a, a gospel for the Old Testament or for the Acts Church, Lord. It's a gospel that's real even today. But Lord, set our tongues on fire again, Lord. Baptize us with your word again, Lord, with your presence. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.